Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. There's news in the NFL today, and it's time to break it down in the only way we know how. Hot Rock Style. Oh, Johnny! With our spin on football headlines with a mix of frozen tundras. Let's be a cold weather team. Neck rolls. And grass stained jerseys. The good old fashioned guts was probably the biggest difference in the game. Hey, everybody, welcome to another episode of Hot Routes. Matthew Collar along with Jonathan Harrison, and it is our first postseason episode we started this kind of in the middle of the season and we've had so much fun leading up to the Super Bowl and I appreciate all the feedback from everybody about last week's Super Bowl preview with Manny I was really really happy with that episode we had a lot of fun so Matthew Collar Jonathan Harrison here as always and we're going to keep doing this every Tuesday night so if you're joining us on the live feed on YouTube keep doing that or if you're listening um, on the podcast feed, as always, we will continue to be here. And uh, I am glad for Todd in the comments who likes the extended version of the song. I'm going to have to put that out there somewhere. Uh, if, if people don't know, I wrote it and performed it. So um, I've gotten some good feedback on that. That's the intro to the Purple Insider podcast. And then I just put out the entire song. So um, thank you, Todd. I appreciate that. Well, you have Jonathan, a channel you can put it on there. Yeah, I did. I actually did. Todd, if you ever want to check it out, I have a YouTube channel. I think it's just called Matthew Collar, and I put. I, I think I don't even know what it's called. It's like my regular one that has all of my chess videos and stuff that I watch on it, uh, where the algorithm sends me either guitar or chess videos or old football games, and that is my entire YouTube. But uh, yeah, I have it just for watching stuff. But the other day I put up a couple of songs that I did. It was, it was great. A local producer who is a Vikings fan sent me a message uh, after hearing the intro song to hot routes and to the podcast. And he asked if um, like we wanted to create some music together. So we did, he played bass. We got a drummer. I wrote some jams and somebody told me the best compliment I've ever heard maybe about any of my work. And you'll love this one, Jonathan. He said, it sounds like 90s video game music. And I was oh, like, man, there you that's go. Great. I just need retired to be, happy man now after that. I know exactly. Maybe I, well, I, I was never, I, there's nothing to retire from as far as me <laughs> making music, but uh, yeah, you know what? I, I never, like all I did was just kind of jam and create some riffs and, and they put drums and bass on it and stuff. But my thought was like, let me just do cool stuff to me. Cause this isn't, you know, I'm not playing guitar uh, for Rihanna, like Nuno Bentoncourt in the Super Bowl, who, by the way, people may not realize her guitar player is one of the single greatest guitar players to ever pick up the instrument. So she, awesome. she made a great selection in Nuno Bentoncourt. Uh, people who play guitar know, but uh, all I wanted to do was just like have some fun. And I thought this is kind of a cool opportunity, but now that I've got that in my brain to make nineties video game music with my guitar, 
Uh, I'm going to keep doing that. So anyway, uh, how did you enjoy the Super Bowl, Jonathan? I thought it was fantastic. It was such a great uh, Super Bowl, and we'll talk about it in a little bit. The script went perfectly, almost, almost perfectly to what Manny and I said last week on Hot Routes. It was fantastic. Every bit of it, you know, you get the unfortunate call at the end, the holding call, but then Bradbury comes out himself and says, yeah, it was holding. I was hoping I'd get away with it, but he didn't. Uh, So it is what it is. But like everything about that game, it just felt like that's how this season should have ended coming down to the final moments. And it was a perfect cap to one heck of a season uh, in my standards. No, I totally agree. And my instant reaction right after, and it's always hard when I do after Vikings games or just after reacting to anything, because I kind of wanted to throw a little bit of a fit like everybody else about that call. And not, not because I thought the referees were wrong for that call. This actually happened as well last year with the Rams and the Bengals. Yeah. People don't remember it maybe as much as they'll remember this one, but there was a play where I think it was Cooper Cup coming on an inside slant and the linebacker just grabbed him by the hips and they threw a flag. It's it's pass interference. There was no debate about it. Bengals fans online are still mad, of course, but <laughs> the refs had to throw the flag there. And with this one, I thought this one was less obvious and maybe less impacting to the play. I would never tell referees don't make a call because I had a very small experience in umpiring baseball and it's super hard. And I know they're professionals and everything else, but you can never change the calls and stuff just based on situation. So even when, you know, the, Okay, if, if it was little kids that I was umpiring for, you expand the strike zone a little if the score is right. 25 to nothing. But I mean, safe at first is safe at first, out at first is out at first. Like mm-hmm. when I when you're doing older kids and they're playing real games and stuff, it's like it, this matters. It doesn't matter if it's like, you know, this borderline I'm going to give this call in the last inning but not in the first inning. Like no, you have to call the rules. The only thing that came to mind for me is if you're unhappy about it, I mean, I get why, because there could have been a really cool final drive, but it's really because there were almost no other penalties called in the entire game. And if there's no other penalties called in the entire game, you can't tell me someone didn't grab a shirt or something, but I get it. And that was a point of emphasis for the league, like from the whole year. The Minnesota Vikings probably were the biggest beneficiaries of this where Justin Jefferson was getting grabbed and tugged and everything else. And there were tons of holding calls on opponents because of that. It's one of the reasons why the Vikings had such a positive penalty differential. So it it was a thing all year long, and the guy clearly committed the penalty. That was the only disappointment in a game that was absolutely phenomenal, which is actually where we're going to start with our first question, which is, It did almost follow the script. If there had been a final drive, then it would have completely followed the script that you laid out last week to have a final drive chance. Um, And credit to uh, Bradbury for admitting that he did it. That really took all of that debate. And if they were still forcing it on, you know, the big networks or whatever, congratulations to them for desperately flailing at something. (laughs) But it like it really took the wind out of that argument. Um, and I, and I agree with Ken who uses the same phrase, just it took the wind out of the game, but like, yeah, it did. It did. It wasn't the dramatic ending, the final field goal, the final, like, that's what we all wanted, but it just, you know, if you got to make the call when it's there, but anyway, I give him a lot of credit, a great player who just came out and said, yep, I did that. I cost my team maybe another chance. 
I want to know where that ranks for you among the greatest Super Bowls that you have ever watched. Not of all time. I don't expect you to know every single Super Bowl through the 70s and 80s, but your lifetime in watching Super Bowls. Now, if we wanted all-time ranking, we should have brought Manny back on because he would have been able to all-time rank him again. Uh, in the years that I've been watching it, it's got to be top one, two, three, maybe up there with St. Louis, Tennessee, just because of how that game came down essentially to the final play. Uh, you look at the Giants. We talked about the Giants-Patriots last week. Both of those games, in fact, in the Super Bowls when they played each other were outstanding games. Uh, that came down to monster plays. David Tyree making a huge catch. Mario Manningham a couple years later making another huge catch. Uh, the the Steelers beating Arizona thanks to a Santonio Holmes just toe drag of of the the all time toe drags of the century in the back of the end zone in the, one of the biggest moments of the game in the season. And it comes down to that play. I think there's there's been a couple really good Super Bowls lately, but this one has got to top the cake for me. Just with the lead that Philadelphia had, and it felt like, dang, Patrick Mahomes is dinged up again. Can they do it? And that's that Kansas City Chiefs offensive line stood tall. They didn't allow the highest sacking team in the league this year to even get near Patrick, Patrick Mahomes. They didn't allow a single sack in that game. And Patrick Mahomes was able to, along with Andy Reid, just conjure up a second-half comeback of all comebacks in the Super Bowl. It was incredible. Some of the plays that they were pulling out in that second half – just still blow my mind. The the Kadarius Tony one and the Sky Moore touchdowns were both incredible play calls in huge moments. And I loved every bit of that game. It's got to be top one or two for me. You? Yeah, it was a, extremely high for me because of the way that both quarterbacks played. I mean, yeah. that's what we're here for. It, I mean, we can talk about, and there's a lot of football nerds, and I'm one of them who loves offensive and defensive line play. And those guys deserve all the credit Kansas City does. Also, the turf probably deserves a little credit, but, um, you know, I don't want to take away because those are absolute monsters on Philadelphia's side that were chasing Mahomes. But this is a quarterback league, and those guys, I mean, Jalen Hurts coming up with two 45-yard passes, the throw on third and long to Dallas Goddard that he had to pin against his helmet and make a great play. Uh, I saw by PFF's metrics, Jalen Hurts had five big-time throws and zero turnover-worthy plays, which doesn't count the run. That's just in the passing game um, because he did have the the fumble on the run. But, I mean, that is an amazing number. Like, that, if you throw five big-time throws in a single game, like, that's going to get graded as one of the best games of the year. And both quarterbacks graded, like, 89 and 92 out of 100 So, I mean, your eyes were not fooling you. Just absolutely phenomenal, phenomenal, phenomenal play uh, by both Jalen Hurts and Patrick Mahomes. And that's almost what's weird about coming out of this Super Bowl is normally it's like the winner is best. The loser can go, you know, get shipped into the ocean. Like, but with this one, I think everybody walked away and went, wow, Jalen Hurts. I mean, what a performance by him. And that, that's what made it for me. You had big-time plays all over the field. You had great catches, the great punt return. And then the game walking on the razor's edge of one or two mistakes by Philadelphia, there was maybe a little bit of game management by Nick Sirianni that was questionable, which is unusual for him. Uh, mm-hmm. I thought that Andy Reid deciding to kick a field goal and then having the field goal miss was going to ultimately cost Kansas City with the way Philadelphia was moving. But playmakers making great plays, Uh, Andy Reid, the god of play design. And one of the cool things that came out after the Super Bowl 
was some of the people who are really good at X's and O's and breaking down tape. They went back and found the plays that Andy Reid stole from that worked against <laughs> Philadelphia earlier in the year. So that was really cool. I mean, I think there was a play from maybe I forget who it was. Maybe it was the Jaguars or somebody who had this motion that they ended up using twice. Yeah. What, who was it? I thought it was the Lions is what I thought. The Lions Lions was a run. Yeah, the Lions was a run because there was a run play where they had a split back, which is a play they used to use in the 90s. But the Lions used that, and that was on a third and short where they ended up getting a first down. So Andy Reid cleverly picking out some of the plays that were used against Philadelphia with success early in the year and then installing them in the lead-up to the Super Bowl. Like That's what you always hope for is that it's going to be this incredible – X's and O's chess match. And I thought that it really was for the offenses and maybe not so much the defenses. And then Philadelphia's defensive coordinator gets a head coaching job. Uh, But as far as where it ranks for me, this is a hard one because it was probably like pretty even with a handful of great Super Bowls like Philadelphia in New England. I mean, the Philly special and coming down to Brady with a chance for a final drive, he gets strip sacked. I mean, just that game back and forth for the entire time ranks very high for me. Uh, New England and Seattle, as much as I'll always be mad they didn't give it to Marshawn Lynch, what a game that was. I mean, the catch from Marshawn Lynch down the sideline, just like all the plays that went into that one. And then one that kind of gets forgotten as a all-time great Super Bowl, and I think it's because the lights went out, was Baltimore and San Francisco. I, I, so I don't know if I want to put this one quite ahead. I probably do because of the way the quarterbacks played. But Baltimore-San Francisco literally came down to a goal line stand. All they needed was, what, five yards or something to get into the end zone and to complete this. Was it, it was a comeback from San Francisco in that game. And that's that's where you get into, like, this was so back and forth. There are other great comebacks that have a case for greatest game. I think though, when a game is back and forth, like Philly, New England, or like this one, it's better than a team melting down like Atlanta and New England, or the way that I think it was Baltimore melted down against San Francisco. Uh, I mean that like, that's probably a little bit higher for me, but I would definitely say in the top three of Super Bowls that I can remember, especially because of the quarterback play being what it was. Yeah. And going back to your point that you started off with that, Usually we all proclaim that the winner was so much better and the loser's going to have to pick up kind of from the bottom next season. In wrestling, you know, we both have talked plenty of times off the air that huge wrestling fan. In wrestling, sometimes the loser always gets made to look good so it doesn't like their, their, their mojo isn't completely ruined going forward. It felt like Jalen Hurts almost came out of this better than Patrick Mahomes because of the way he played. Five, what was it? Five touchdowns for him, a couple rushing, and then a pass, and then a couple passing as well. He was unbelievable, and he completely silenced any doubters that said he can't play quarterback or that you have to make you have to make Jalen Hurts play quarterback and you'll win this game. No, 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 no. Jalen Hurts proved on the biggest of stages that he can play quarterback and he's going to play it the way that he's going to play it because that's the future of this league. And I believe you wrote about this. Monday on purpleinsider.com that this is a quarterback's league now and everybody else just step aside quarterbacks and playmakers, everybody else, your second class, because that's who's going to be running this league. And Patrick Mahomes and Jalen hurts made that clear as day on Sunday. And this league is going to be the better for it. Yeah. Four touchdowns and a two point conversion for Jalen yeah. hurts. I mean, just an all time great game. performance in a loss where he had an argument for MVP over Patrick yeah. Mahomes. I thought that he played slightly better, but 
in the biggest moments, both of them pulled off big running plays, big passing plays. And uh, you're right. Like this is the NFL. Now it was a year in which we saw more close plays, more close games than ever before in the NFL. So it was apropos that it finished like this. Um, But I mean, I think that it probably just ranks like really, really high. I have, I have trouble saying for sure, but one of the things that I like about it over even some other ones, like the Arizona uh, Pittsburgh one was kind of boring through a lot of it. it, had the one big play from James Harrison. And then this like furious charge at the end by Arizona, an amazing drive. But one of the things that this had that I, I remember it being this way with New England and the Rams and also Tennessee and the Rams is just hard play all the way through. Like close game, never really having one team separate and, and just those famous big plays that end up uh, determining the outcome. So, yeah, I mean, just it has a case for one of the greatest. If you like defense a little more than probably the Tennessee one versus the Rams might be the best. But uh, it was it was everything that America could have hoped for, as you said, like good, good for the United States. It did not heal us, unfortunately, <laughs> uh, not at all. But um, but, you know, it, it, when you have a game that everybody's watching with that amount of star power. That's what you dream of. So um, next question for you, though, because now we are moving on. It is the offseason. Super Bowl is over. It was a wonderful year. One of the best, arguably, that I've ever seen from start to finish in terms of drama. Although this is one of the things that makes the NFL great. Uh, Ron points out in the comments that the two number one seeds played each other and they played like that. And like that's the regular season just matters so much. Right. Like and this is not against baseball or basketball or hockey or anything else. But when every game is like that and then this year there were so many close games all the way through and to have it be these two teams, these two caliber of teams who got the number one seeds and had to earn that throughout the regular season to to fight for this. Um, you know, I just think it's like deserved. If we were doing this in a just world, it's you know, people love playoffs because it's crazy and creates create uh, crazy results. But the way that baseball did it way back in the day was whoever won the AL or the NL just played in the World Series. That's yeah. probably the best way to do it. And so I like when the two best teams, I like when it's not an underdog that's going to get blown out or something. Uh, and this was exactly that. So anyway, on to the offseason. We got a bunch of coaching hires that have happened over the last couple of weeks. Here's what I want to know from you. I want you to predict which head coaches will have the most success in 2023 and which coaches have the toughest road to success in 2023? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. New ones, new coaches. Okay, new coaches. Uh, Both of mine are, well, they're they're new coaches in their situations. They're retreads. Uh, Frank Reich is going to have the best success of these new coaches in their new in their new spots because look at the rest of their division. It's crap. I mean, the AF, the NFC South is just there for the taking, and all he's got to do is find a quarterback. And he's he and he's also he's also a 
compiling one heck of a coaching staff. They just got Jim Caldwell today. Jero Evero as, a, as his defensive coordinator. He's proven he can run an offense uh, no matter what Jim Irsay wants to say and replace him with in Indianapolis. I am fully behind Frank Reich turning or continuing what Steve Wilkes did at the end of last season for the Panthers. I think that Frank Reich can pick it up and continue on what that what was happening there in Carolina and proving that Matt rule just has no idea how to coach professional football players. The guy who has the toughest task ahead of him is Sean Payton. And we've discussed this a couple of times that just, I don't know why he would take that position. He left the saints retired and is now coming back into the NFL for Russell Wilson, who proved that he probably is past his prime well past it. And that getting anything out of him is going to be like the end years of Drew Brees and, the rest of that roster doesn't look all that great. They got a decent defense, but they just lost their defensive coordinator to Carolina. Uh, and then their their division is incredibly tough. I mean, you got the Chiefs, you've got the Chargers as well. What we'll see what the Raiders can do this offseason, uh, whether they can put anything together, whether they can lure Aaron Rodgers to Las Vegas. But that division is tough. The AFC is tough on quarterbacks. And Sean Payton, he has no draft picks to choose from, and he's got no cap space to work with. So that, that to me is the toughest job of them all. And I'm not sure why Sean Payton took that one out of all of them, but Frank Reich for me is probably going to be the most successful out of these. Cause I just don't like Carolina. Uh, I don't like Indianapolis despite Indianapolis probably having a weak division as well. But I think Frank Reich has the easiest path forward to success out of the new coaches. Well, I think that uh, Sean Payton took the same, took the job for the same reason that you took the job with purple insider. It's his money. <laughs> Uh, I mean, at some, at some point when Walmart owns your team, you could just be like, what about some more money? And you're like, I don't know. Like, I don't know. Like, no, what about more than that? (laughs) And just continue to push it up. And whether you succeed or fail, you still get your money. And that was probably an influencing factor. I will leave the door only a crack, but a crack open for Sean Payton to have some success with Russell Wilson. Not completely open, but just a crack. And there is an element with what happened last year in Denver. And I'm just trying to sort of make the case a little bit here that it won't be the worst, even though I completely agree with you, that maybe on the receiver side, we thought that they were going to be in better shape than they were. And they couldn't get people open for Russell Wilson, couldn't catch the ball down the field. That's kind of the best I can do there, that maybe they overhaul that position a little bit and that Sean Payton is just way better at this than Nate Hackett, which I would not be surprised at. And they do have a good defense to come back with. That does not mean I think they're going to do great, but I do think like when we talk about being better, uh, they could be better by quite a bit and still end up missing the playoffs with like eight wins or something, but then he will have like turned it around. There's no question it's Frank Reich here. They're in a position to do whatever they want. Uh, they can draft a quarterback. They can get Jimmy Garoppolo. They can fight for Derek Carr. They can do both of those things. Uh, I'm, I'm imagining Derek Carr, like Kirk Cousins in 2018, when you're on the, the free agent market, yep. is going to do insanely good financially. Uh, it's it's going to be like he can buy his own Walmart uh, corporation after he's done. But um, that's just the free agent market for quarterbacks. I don't know if that's the smartest way for Carolina to go. I think that they should look for – somebody like a Ryan Fitzpatrick of back in the day, maybe that's like Jacoby Brissett now or a Geno Smith 
to come in there and just compete with whatever rookie they draft because they're in position to draft a rookie quarterback, maybe even trade up to number one and take Bryce Young. And and that, you know, for 2023 could have some rocky moments. Um, but I don't know if they got Jimmy Garoppolo, they could sign him to a short term deal, win with him and then draft someone. So the only way that Carolina is going to drop back is probably just if they drafted a number one quarterback and there were just the ups and downs that go along with being a rookie quarterback in the NFL. But considering their division, that Tom Brady just left that division, that's that's going to be probably the best situation for Frank right there. I just want to know if they want to like win right away or if they're looking for a quarterback to develop. I think that uh, Indianapolis is a pretty tough one. The division's not as strong, but the cupboard is completely bare there for their roster. But I think I might pick Jonathan Gannon in Arizona as having the worst situation and the least likely to do any sort of turning around because their defensive roster is horrendous. Uh, Kyler Murray is hurt, so he's not even going to play probably for about half the season. And when he does, it's not the easiest thing to just come back from an ACL injury and have the same sort of burst right away. I mean, if he gets if he gets completely healed, he can do it. We have seen Adrian Peterson and Delvin Cook do it, uh, so it's not impossible. But he's going to miss a good portion of the season, and their roster is just not even close. I'm also not sure that Jonathan Gannon was a great pick for that. Um, you know, their defense was good and they got the sacks and all that. Um, I don't want to judge too much on what Mahomes did to somebody, but I'm also not sure that their defense was all that innovative or uh, that his experience really justifies being a head coach there in Arizona. So that's more of a long-term one. I really like the Texans and D'Amico Ryans. Again, yeah. a roster that is a mess but a situation that's like really ripe for drafting the quarterback at the top, developing that player. So for 2023, D'Amico Ryans might be in for a little bit of a tough ride, but their coaching the last two years has been literally the worst coaching in the entire NFL that wasn't done by Urban Meyer. I mean, <laughs> they, they just brought in, just brought in, fill, fill a spot, make sure our team still exists so we can draft at the very top. Um, but in all, almost all of these positions, that's what's interesting about Sean Payton. He's the only one that is really asking for a quick turnaround. Almost yeah. every one of these jobs is a long term. So let me phrase the question a little differently from 2023. How about five years from now, who still has their job? I think where you left off there, Demico Ryan's. You look at their cap space right now. They've got, according to Over the Cap, they head into this offseason – with I think the fifth or sixth most cap space in the NFL. So they'll have money to dump into the defense or whatever part of the field that they deem that should help them right away at least. And I would assume that's going to be defense because Demeco Ryan's background is in the defense. And they'll draft high. They'll draft probably a quarterback with that second overall pick or they'll trade up to number one. I don't know. I don't know what their plans are there, but they've got the cap space. They've got the draft picks because they've got the first round pick from the Browns coming up as well. So they've got plenty of draft capital going forward in the future. They've got almost a great situation to build for the future. If the Texans ownership and the front office can just kind of get out of the way for the first time in that club's history, because that's always been the thing that's brought them down is just terrible management from up above there. It, this seems like a perfect situation for Demeco Ryan's to build not have success right away, but build for the future and have success in two, three years from now. So I'm, I'm going to say Demeco Ryans has probably 
the best chance of having long-term success. Frank Reich is right behind him because of his capabilities as a head coach and what he's got there to work with already in Carolina. Yeah, they did Frank Reich a favor. Uh, you almost have to respect it. They just should have waited till the end of the year instead of, although they were tanking. So really, when you think about it, like Jim Ursay may be playing 3D chess there. Everyone, <laughs> including myself, thought that was a complete joke, but then it won't be as funny of a joke when they draft number one because they trade up with the Chicago Bears. Uh, Ken asks a good question in the comments of, uh, what teams are rebuilding like Chicago? Uh, I, I have two two nominations for that. Number one would be Tennessee, and the other one is Washington. Uh, Arizona, of course, is another nom here because, like, who are they going to get to even play quarterback for them? They could win, like, three games, uh, Arizona, by the end of the year. So I don't know that they have much of a choice there. But as far as teams that, like, weren't that bad the year before and might want to go all the way to the bottom – Tennessee does not have a lot to work with. Derrick Henry's getting old. Ryan Tannehill is not only old, but also insanely expensive. And they should probably just trade him away uh, and look for another answer there. And then uh, Washington's going to go with Sam Howell, which, hey, look, if Sam Howell works out, that'll be a really cool story that there were good quarterbacks in that draft. The NFL just couldn't identify them. But I think they're doing the right thing 100% by having Sam Howell just start, play it out, like the jimmy clausen thing from back in the day when they drafted cam newton like hey if jimmy clausen's amazing somehow then cool you found your quarterback but if he's not you draft at the top and you get caleb williams <laughs> i think those teams are are probably um you know in that ballpark uh bradley asks um what do you think of the viking what do you think the vikings do if teams inquire about kirk cousins if they don't get Derek carr or aaron Rodgers? what teams would you think would inquire about Kirk Cousins. I think that the, the answer is probably pretty limited. It's probably only the teams that we have been talking about already for those guys. It's New Orleans, uh, especially since Kirk has played great against New Orleans overall, <laughs> but uh, it would be New Orleans if they didn't get Derek Carr. I don't even know if Carolina would do that. Maybe they would. Like, I, I think that there is somewhat of synergy between like Frank Reich and Kirk Cousins, like similar maybe you know, uh, off, uh, you know, like off the field, like kind of personalities and things like that, the kind of a, a calmer type of guy. Um, so maybe, maybe they would fit their personality wise and they felt like they could turn it around quick if they could get him. I don't know if the Vikings would trade him in the NFC. Uh, and then the jets, like the jets are the most desperate team for mm -hmm. sure. Like the, the Jets, if they don't get Rodgers and they don't they don't get Carr, if Rodgers goes into his darkness retreat and says, I am just <laughs> never playing football again uh, because I'm going to go be a Hollywood actor or something. I don't know. It has happened before in the NFL. James Brown right. did it, retired to go be an actor. The Jets would, would be on my mind here as well. Um, yeah, I mean, you're right, uh, Nano Joe, that Carolina has – two first rounders. I don't think anyone's trading a first round pick for Kirk cousins because the offer for Derek Carr was a third rounder. And when you yeah. consider that neither contract is very favorable for the team trading for them, you would have to sign him to an extension. To me, that lowers the price. The fact that you have to sign him to an extension after that. Um, so I, I wouldn't think that it's going to be a very high offer, not as in like giving up a couple of firsts or, or something like Russell Wilson got, maybe much more in the second or third round range. But that is only if they get desperate. And I think if that does happen, though, Jonathan, 
Like the Vikings have to strongly consider it. If Cousins is not going to sign another short-term extension, which I don't even think is a good idea, then then they they really have to consider it. They have to consider making that trade and just going forward and trying to trade up and get a quarterback this year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if if teams are inquiring about Kirk Cousins and you know that this roster just isn't set up for long-term success the way it's set up right now, which it really isn't. There's too many aging stars, too many uh, kind of outsized contracts on the Vikings roster that if teams are inquiring about Kirk Cousins and they're willing to give you a third, maybe a second, if you can kind of swindle them out of a second, you absolutely have to take that deal because you're getting a huge contract off your books and you you get this you get the chance to move on. Kwesi can go to ownership saying, hey, we're getting a good deal here. We can finally move forward and see where this next road takes us. As for Aaron Rodgers and where he goes, I don't see the Jets going happening because he's been it seemed like he started his career hell bent on not copying Brett Favre and going to the Jets would be an exact copy of what Brett Favre did. So he'll probably spend that four days in that darkness retreat realizing, yeah, I'm not going to New York and he'll probably go to Vegas. So and the I, Jets yeah. will get desperate. And, and Vegas is another one too that belongs in the conversation. It's it's all those teams that are looking for quarterbacks that mm-hmm. would uh, potentially trade for him. The other thing too, and this is where it gets hard because remember last year we thought Jimmy Garoppolo was getting traded and then everybody kind of figured out their quarterback situations yep. and didn't know what his injury situation was and didn't want to trade for him. But if somebody gets left out of the party, and the teams that are looking for either signing a quarterback like Derek Carr, getting Rodgers, or if they're uh, planning on drafting one, and then all of a sudden they get to the end of the road and it's like, oh, uh, Jacoby Brissett, or you know, like, right. what are they, what are we going to do here? Then you know, I think that it's very possible that teams could start making that phone call. And it's a good point by Bradley that. Now, Jimmy Garoppolo does have a lot of injuries in his past. The thing about Garoppolo, though, if you're a team like Carolina, is you can sort of do both. Uh, mm-hmm. He shouldn't be, because of that injury history, anywhere near as expensive as someone like Cousins. And I think that if you're if you're signing Garoppolo, maybe it's like a $25 million deal or something over two years, and as, and as opposed to taking Kirk Cousins, where it's going to be, I think, $36 million for this year, unless you sign him to a long-term contract extension. But I, I mean, I do wonder if there's anybody around the league and, and the Jets and the Raiders are desperate to be better than where they were last year that would make that phone call. And even for, even for Carolina, it does make sense. Like if you were to trade for Kirk on the one-year deal and draft a quarterback, you could be good and then plan to move on. And, uh, you know, have have a real future plan there for a team that's been building on the defensive side through the draft for a couple of years. Um, let's see, as far as uh, Kirk Cousins' no trade clause, that's hard for me to explain because I don't know what's in it. Uh, right. Because no trade clauses can work a bunch of different ways. You can have a lock, dead, no trade clause. You can't trade me unless I say yes, period. Or you can have one that says, I won't be traded to these teams. And and then they could trade you to any other team. But from Cousins' perspective, I've always wondered if, like, if they came to him and said, look, uh, we can trade you or we can play this out on your contract. What do you want? He might say, trade me. Because I think he wants to be liked and appreciated somewhere. And if they're going to win 13 games and then not want to stick with him long-term, he might just say, okay, well, I'd rather go to the Raiders and sign that 
big time contract extension, but I don't know how that's going to play out. I wouldn't put it as very likely or a high percentage that they do trade Kirk, but you have to wonder though, if just the way things shuffle out over the next few weeks, if they don't sign him to an extension, then like the, I don't know, the flag goes up a little, like we'll yeah. take your phone call. Well, maybe we'll take your phone call. Um, so I, I don't it know. It doesn't seem like it's a very strong no trade clause because you heard it. You remember his comments from the beginning of the year. It's like, well, I guess I got to win. Well, he won. He won 13 games. Whether how how good that was in winning them is up for debate, but it was still 13 wins that he has on his record now. So now he's won. He's done what they asked him to do. And there's still this talk that they don't know what they're going to do going forward. So there's that doesn't seem like that's really that strong of a no trade clause. It feels like one of those things that's just put in there that he gets to have approval of where he's going next yeah. because he knew what he he knew what they were asking from him and he did that. So now he gets he the chips are kind of in his table at this point. Right. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that is that the cliche. The chips are in his table. I don't know. I'm messing <laughs> with cliches at this point. What, what is what is the cliche that you were looking for there? Like the ball I don't is know. in his court. You were looking for the ball <laughs> yes, is in the ball is in his court. I don't know what I was going with. <laughs> the, the chips are in his table. Like sure. I guess you could make it work. Um, yeah. So anyway, I, this this does transition into the next question which I guess could apply to Kirk Cousins and then waiving a no trade clause, but I made it about Derek Carr because he is officially a free agent, which is after being released by the Raiders, I want you to pick a team that's going to chase him and make the best argument to me. I'm going to pretend to be Derek Carr. So you pick a team that's going to chase him. Make your argument for why I, Derek Carr, should sign with you. All right, I'm the Atlanta Falcons. I'm coming to you with a team that was what seven and eleven or seven and ten last year. This is a team that is in an incredibly weak division. Yes, I just made the case a couple minutes ago that the Panthers can top this division next because it's an incredibly weak division. But the Falcons have kind of set themselves up here. They've got the draft capital. They've got fifty-six million dollars in cap space going into this offseason, where they can sign Derek Carr to a big contract and still have money left over to get whoever else they need, especially on that defensive side of the ball where they struggled mightily last year. They can bring in a ton of players on the defense to shore up that side of the ball and become incredibly competitive in an NFC that is not quarterback strong. Beyond Jalen Hurts, there's not really a whole lot to go home bragging about in the NFC. So Derek Carr can come in with one of the best roster, best young rosters in the league. They've got one of the, according to PFF, one of the better pass blocking units in the league in their offensive line. They've got Drake London. They've got uh, Kyle Pitts as two offensive weapons to throw to. If I'm Derek Carr, I'm not looking anywhere else but Atlanta right now because of what they have already in place for him just kind of to kind of slot in there and take things over and just kind of push that thing right over the edge of competitiveness. I think you made an incredibly good case. <laughs> I am signing with Atlanta. Truly, you think about they just drafted Kyle Pitts and Drake London, mm-hmm. and I think both of those guys can play. Uh, Pitts, if someone can throw him the ball, could be a star. Yeah. It's not like Desmond Ritter showed anything last year that would indicate that he's a future star. And Mm -hmm. the fact that they can't afford it with the cap. So one thing that's always worth bringing up when it comes to this cap debate of quarterbacks and expensive quarterbacks is that when you have an expensive middling quarterback like Derek Carr, who's probably, you know, eight to 12, somewhere in that range, similar to Kirk Cousins, the only way to work around that is by having a ton of great young players on their rookie contracts. 
So it's never impossible. But one of the issues that the Vikings have always faced is that they always had really expensive veterans and they didn't draft well enough to fill those guys' spots. So they had to pay Kendricks. They had to pay a Hunter and pick up his option. They had to pay Harrison Smith to stick around. And had they drafted players in the past who took those spots, uh, th- then the impact would have been really mitigated. And this is an important note about like Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs. Now, I think Patrick Mahomes could have won that Super Bowl in just about any way, shape, or form, but they got a lot out of their draft class and out of their young players, and they have one of the youngest rosters around him in the NFL. That's the only way to do it, and Atlanta is actually in position to do that. Um, the Jets are kind of that way too. I mean, if Mekhi Becton comes back, or Wilson is a legit superstar They've drafted well. They do have some p- players that they're going to need to pay, like Quinn and Williams. Um, but, I mean, if you're giving me the choice to go play in the NFC South versus the AFC East, yeah. where if Tua stays healthy next year, Miami's probably pretty good. Buffalo is going absolutely nowhere. The Jets will get somebody you know, to be a, their quarterback. But you still have to face uh, – well, actually, no, we, we're talking about him going to the Jets. Sorry. Uh, but uh, you you still have to face Belichick, which I don't yeah. think is an easy thing on the uh, defensive side versus who knows what's going on in Tampa Bay, who knows what's going on in New Orleans. Like you are in a really good spot there with the NFC South. I think you picked the best possible team. I also think too that you look at their running game last year, they were one of the best running teams in the NFL because Arthur Smith is an absolute monster when it comes to designing the run. I just asked Derrick Henry. That's the guy he had some of his best years with. And what, what goes along with that is play action. Ryan Tannehill remade his career by going to Tennessee, running, running play action off it, throwing to great weapons. Man, that is the that is the best possible place. I really didn't yeah. have Atlanta on my mind before that. I thought you were going to maybe make a case for New Orleans, and then I was said like, yeah, I don't know. Uh, but uh, you know, that's no, you look at you look at New good. Orleans cap space cap situation. They've always run in the red because yep. they just they finagle the the cap system and cap uh, their cap situation like crazy every single year. But they're fifty nine million dollars in the hole. The Buccaneers are fifty five million dollars in the hole. Uh, the Panthers are $7 million in the hole. The only team in that division going into this offseason with positive cap space is the Falcons at fifty six at plus 56. I'm going to Atlanta because you got a top 10 pick, which if you take if you uh, sign Derek Carr, you don't have to use that on a quarterback right now. You can go out and draft another top 10 wide receiver to add to the talent that he has to throw to on the offense. Because we've seen in Philadelphia – what having elite offensive talent all across the field is able to do for a quarterback who many, for some reason, doubt in Jalen Hurts. And he had all the offensive talent around him, and he showed why he's the quarterback and why he's one of the better quarterbacks in this league because he's able to get those guys the ball and let them play and let them run with it. Derek Carr, go there, have them draft another top 10 wide receiver. You have three incredible targets and a running game and a really good pass blocking offensive line. That's the best option he's got right now. I am sold. I am sold. And I think, you know, Tampa is, is brought up too. And I think Tampa is kind of a, an aging roster. And, yeah. uh, you know, a couple of years ago when Brady joined, they were like Atlanta. Now they had like high draft picks that they had taken and weapons and an offensive line that they were building. But you, that, that is an excellent point about their offensive line is that running success. It starts with those guys and they actually did a good job in pass protection last year, despite not having very good quarterback play. <laughs> For Marcus Mariota, it was not like I don't think it was one of the more amazing situations overall, but it could be, as you mentioned, with adding 
maybe one other weapon for him. So it is decided. Derek, if you're watching, Atlanta, my friend, yeah. that's the place to go. So speaking of quarterbacks making their decisions, we mentioned the darkness retreat for Aaron Rodgers. Now he said that he might film it. I don't know. How do you film a darkness retreat, right? Uh, come on. It's like <laughs> this the, the Mountain Dew pitch black match at, at the Royal Rumble. Come on. I kind of liked that, though. That was so fun. I. I, I wonder yeah. how it looked in person when they did that. It was like, can you really see what's going on? But on TV, it looked amazing. Yeah. Uh, on TV, it looked super cool. So maybe maybe that's what it does. Like he puts on little highlighters or something <laughs> or uh, neon lights or it's Blair Witch Project or he's just like, I haven't decided yet. Like, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not sure. But here's my question for you. And uh, in the comments, feel free to add your own to this. I want to know if you had a big decision in your life to make. There's something that was a real fork in the road and you have to decide, am I going to stay? Am I going to go? Am I going to whatever it's going to be? Um, what type of retreat would you go to? to try to sort through your thoughts and feelings. Like if you could invent any kind of retreat, I wouldn't have guessed that a darkness retreat existed. So I'm going to say that just anything is on the table here for your personal retreat to figure out what you want to do. If you were in Aaron Rodgers' shoes. Caller, you can see the smirk on my face. If you're watching the YouTube uh, version of this podcast, because I think you might know where I'm going with this. I'm taking my TV. I'm taking my PlayStation, and I'm taking all nine movies of Fast and the Furious, and I am watching them nonstop for an entire weekend because nothing helps you make a decision better than family. And what better family movie is there than the ultimate of families in the Fast and the Furious family? Vin Diesel, Paul Walker, pretty much the entire cast. They will help you make any decision by watching all of those movies. And you can't tell me you don't like Fast and the Furious. It's just not possible. Fast and the Furious, I don't care how ridiculous it is, it is a great movie and it'll help you make any decision because there's just about everything in that movie. They take a car to space and now they're taking down double helicopters with, with a car. I mean, everything can be decided with the help of some family and fast and the furious is the best way to do that. Matthew Collar. Yeah. You live your life one fast and the furious movie at a time. Um, I just want to know how they got from general street racing <laughs> <laughs> to the car going down a dam as it blows up. Yes. I just like it's um jump to the shark doesn't even begin to describe. No, 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 no. Uh but uh I like it. I like it. Where I thought you might be going was one of my potential options. And I'll use a visual for this. Oh, yes. A Madden 64 retreat yes. where all go. I do is play an entire season. In fact, if I was Rogers, I would do it with myself. I would put myself not maybe in a Madden 64 game because, or I'd create a player. I'd create yeah. myself, put myself on a team and I would play it out on Madden. And if we won, then I would come back. And if we lost, then I would quit. And uh, you know, men, <laughs> men, you know, it's, it's a little tricky. I have noticed this. It's always been this way that you can be killing teams all season long. And then in that Super Bowl, the AI just like kicks in and it'll yes. make it, it'll make it tricky for you. But an old video game retreat where all I did for four straight days was play all N64 games from back in the day and Super Nintendo. So Tecmo Bowl, Madden. Uh, right now I have a Dreamcast NFL 2K2 season so going jealous. on. That's like my little off-season uh, treat yourself uh, to me after the year. So I would do that. The other, the other idea was like a pizza and wing retreat, yes. where all I do is, you know, my hometown is Buffalo, Go back there and for four straight days, 
every single day, every single meal, pizza and wings. And that'll help me sort through some stuff because by the end of that, I will feel, uh, uh, I don't know, like fatter, but like also <laughs> just uh, like, 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 like a higher level of, of thinking and feeling yes. after eating pizza and real wings in Buffalo. So I, I, I think if we it, could easily make Aaron Rodgers' decision for him. If we just had video games and pizza, why does he oh, want to stay in the dark for God's no, sake? No, no, no. You need, it. you need to hook up the N64 Turn, put in GoldenEye and just listen to that pause music, that pause screen music for the entirety of your weekend. And you are, you're set because that is the best pause screen music of all time. And I will hear no, no doubters about it because GoldenEye pause screen music is incredible. Now I'm thinking I might actually just do both of these things. Uh, yeah, I, why not? It's the off season. NFL, don't break any news while I'm away. <laughs> just eating pizza and wings and playing N64. This, maybe I'll just do this for a day. Um, we need that as a stream. You know, once the, when the XFL comes back, maybe that's what I'll make. It's going to come back on like a Saturday or something. Like that's what I'll do. I'll make that Saturday pizza and wing retreat day. Um, and if I was like a TikTok influencer, I could like video the whole thing. <laughs> anyway, uh, last thing for you. This has been really fun, Jonathan, as expected. It would just be um, who you think's going to win next year's Super Bowl or which two teams will be in the Super Bowl Put it down on paper right now because if you nail it, that'll be really impressive. I hate to be boring, but the Chiefs are going to win it because Patrick Mahomes. Like, it's just Patrick Mahomes. He showed what he can do on a bum ankle with not Tyreek Hill anymore. I mean, he has he has clearly a lower class of receivers now besides his wide receiver, besides Travis Kelsey. He's got a lower class of receiver than he used to, and he still went out and beat the best defense in all of football in the Super Bowl. So it's going to be Patrick Mahomes – Versus uh, the NFC so hard. I don't want to pick the Eagles again, but who else in the NFC is going to really challenge them? Because we saw the 49ers. Yes, they had quarterback issues, but they just got thumped by the Eagles. So, yes, there's recency bias that it's the Eagles and and the Chiefs there, but tell me why it's going to be anybody else. I can't pick anybody else from the NFC right now because no one's stepping up and screaming that they're going to do it. And I'm not going to choose Dallas because I have a lifelong hatred for Mike McCarthy, even though they have one of the better rosters in the NFC, it's just not going to happen. I'm not going to choose Dallas. It's really hard right now not to pick the same teams coming back, but uh, I don't think that's, has that ever happened? I mean, maybe it's happened before once in his, I don't know that it's ever happened. Uh, that the same two teams have played in two Super Bowls in a row. I could be mixing Dallas up Buffalo. Oh right, yeah. Why would I mix that up? Yeah, yeah. Uh, right. So it could be that could be that. I mean, it kind of has that feeling with where those two teams are at because Philadelphia is not getting worse. And yeah. uh, I, I was thinking way back to like, did Pittsburgh and Dallas ever play too, and just totally overlooked that one, but. It's hard to not pick that. But if I'm not picking that and I want to go a little bit more bold, maybe I was a year ahead on the Chargers. So the Chargers get Kellen Moore. I think he knows what he's doing. Now he's out from under your best friend, Mike McCarthy. <laughs> Goes out to uh, Los Angeles. That could be a very good team and compete for the Super Bowl. And what it's going to come down to, as always, and, and I also don't want to count out Cincinnati from this either. Like Cincinnati's yeah. going nowhere. They're going to have a good chance as well. But if it comes down to like one play in the AFC championship, like it did this year, then, you know, maybe someone else can win. Um, So I don't want to count out Cincinnati, but if I was going bold, I would go Los Angeles. Maybe I should have said you have to go bold with the pick. Um, If I'm going bold, I'm going Jacksonville. 
Well, I'm going to lean on this Trevor Lawrence love that we have. He's going to have another year under Doug Peterson, who is an incredible play caller for Jacksonville. They're going to have more uh, cap. They're going to have a little bit more cap, I believe, to continue building that roster. And it's just another offseason for Trevor Lawrence to get better and another offseason away from Urban Meyer, who completely ruined him in that first year. If I'm going bold, it's going to be Trevor Lawrence taking that next, next step. And he's going to take over the AFC from Patrick Mahomes at least next season. I like that. I like that as a bold pick. The NFC is, is such a hard, bold pick, but Detroit, Detroit, <laughs> Come on. who's Falcons? not making Come on. their bold pick Detroit, right? That was last year's bold pick though. Wasn't it? No, no. Last year, not last getting year, to the Super Bowl, but getting into the playoffs, it was the bold. Right. Pick. Last year's bold pick was that by the end of the year, Detroit will have respect and yeah. they do. Mm-hmm. They draft a couple players, add a little to that defense. I mean, I don't know. Like if it's a bold pick, I if if Atlanta gets Derek Carr, I'll make that my bold pick. That yeah. that Derek Carr could go somewhere with that team because I don't think that Derek Carr like fell off as a quarterback. I just think it's more of a situation that's similar um, when it comes to like Detroit moving on from Matthew Stafford, where Vegas just needs a lot. Um, I, I know you guys are pointing out that Philadelphia has free agents. Every team has free agents, but the core of that team is so good. Like the offensive yeah. line is not going anywhere. The weapons are not going anywhere. I, I don't see. And and that division is, is going to be difficult, but I mean, the giants have to take a big step forward to be better than they were last year. I'm not sure they will. Washington's going to be bad. It'll be Philly and Dallas, but I don't see Philadelphia just falling off after this. I think they're going to be really good. Um, could see the 49ers. I don't think the 49ers is a bold pick. I could definitely see the 49ers if they have healthy quarterbacks and run the same thing back, that that was probably the best roster in the entire NFL, them or Philadelphia. So, yeah, I mean, we're a long way away from it. But uh, if if Detroit ends up in, in the Super Bowl, then I, then I want some credit for this one. <laughs> I think the bold pick, if we're going bold, is that Derek Carr – ending up in Atlanta, that they can do some real damage because not only everything we've already laid out, they've also got a fourth place schedule. They've got a last place in their division schedule. So they've got already an easy couple of games ahead of them against teams that also stank last year. So if they can get Derek Carr into that team, watch out for for the Atlanta Falcons to take a major step forward. And here's the bold pick that you wanted, Jaguars-Falcons Super Bowl next year. Imagine Derek Carr leading the Atlanta Falcons to the Super Bowl in Vegas and winning in Vegas. What is what what better script would the NFL need than that? Come on. That's the best script you could write. Yeah, I think it's probably just Mahomes, but the NFC is going to (laughs) be the NFC, though. The NFC is going to be wide open. I mean, I'm not saying I'm guaranteeing Philly will be back. I just think that they'll be strong again. But even other teams who have been strong, sometimes when you play in the Super Bowl, this is why it's so hard to get back. And now there's 17 games. Um, they had the they had the one. So they didn't play 21 games. They played 20. But still, you play 20 games. People get banged up. People want raises, more money, and things like that. It, it is hard. But I expect them to still be a very good team next year. So anyway, well, it was a fun time. And we're going to keep it going every Tuesday night here with Hot Routes. And I love when you guys play along in the comments. I think this has been our first show where because now people are getting used to the fact that we do this live on YouTube every Tuesday night where we've had our answers coming in and questions coming in 
from the comment section. So if you guys want on every Tuesday night around this time, nine o'clock, we'll show up and uh, we'll have fun with the hot routes questions and get people involved as well. So, Cause uh, I really enjoyed that. So thanks Jonathan for your time as always. And we will catch you later.